If you have never read the book of Ruth, you, you literally, it's just four chapters, you can sit it down and read it in, in one sitting. It is an amazing, amazing story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story uh, of love. I know some of you ladies, you know, love those love stories, you know. And you, you may read your, you know, Karen Kingsbury books and, you know, whatever you read for, you know, for love and romance. And, but I tell you, Ruth, the book of Ruth has that. But it also has just some bad things as well, some bad decisions, especially in the first part of the book. And we're gonna, we're gonna walk through that today and we're going to see what, what does that look like in our lives. Um, now, one thing to keep in mind is that Ruth was uh, set in the time of the judges. And so we have walked through you know, Abraham and, and, um, and Joseph and then Moses, and then we just got through with Joshua. And last week, rather than spending out a whole series on judges, we just took one judge, Samson. We just like talking about Samson, you know? And so we uh, hung out with Samson last week. And so a judge, another word to, for, to be used for judge is also a deliverer. And so the reason why a judge would come around or a deliverer would come around is because of the decisions made by the Israelites. They were um, in their land. Uh, Joshua and them uh, uh, conquered Jericho and, and other cities and cities and city after city and kings. And they're settled in. Joshua dies away and they're left without a leader. And so what happens when there's no righteous leader, the people, they're just going to do whatever they want. And so what happens is that they begin to adopting the worship practices of those nations around them. And so they began to worship other idols and really do some pretty bad things along with those, over those idols. And so what God would do, he'd be like, okay, come on, Israelites, I, I've set down certain parameters in your life and, and um, you're, you're obeying commandment number one. Okay, or just, I mean, not even just the other ones, let's just stop at one. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. And you're stepping outside the, the boundaries on that. And so what God would do, he would oppress them by sending in uh, enemies to uh, ravage their crops or, or, or to uh, even take people captive. And, and he would just do lots of things to the Israelites to where they would get to the point to where they would cry out to God and say, God, please help us. And so uh, God did, he heard their cry, and he would send a judge or a deliverer. And there were, there were a few judges and deliverers. Um, you know, Samson was one, Gideon was one, Deborah, there's a few others. And so, but this cycle just kept going on and on and on until finally Israel had their king, King Saul, and then eventually King David and on down the line. So don't you see this a little bit in your life? I don't know about you, I see it in mine. As I look back on the scenes of my life, I've looked back where I have stepped out of the boundaries that God has placed in my life. And God says, come on, Frank. You know, and, and, and maybe I would, I would be facing something in my, in my life based upon my, my own choices, okay? It's not like God is out to, to smack me. He's just allowing the natural law, the spiritual law, to take place. You know, just like earth, earth has, has natural laws like gravity, but there's also spiritual laws. And when we do something outside of the boundaries of what God has set, then spiritual laws would take into effect a natural occurrence. And so I would reap my bad choices 
And so um, then I would say, okay, God, I'm sorry. I, I, I'd get caught or I remember as a teenager was a few things in my life. I'd get caught or I, I, I remember one time being, getting caught cheating. I was, like, I was like in leadership with FCA. I was FCA president of my high school. I was a junior in high school. People put me on this pedestal, all right? And, and I was caught cheating in physics class. I can't stand physics. Why do we even need physics? Sorry for all you physicists out there, whatever you say that. And so, but I was caught cheating. And so it, it, that moment right there, that scene was not good. And so I found myself on my knees just saying, oh, I'm humbled, I'm humiliated. I wanna go to a different high school, you know, and everything. But, but um, God helped me and, and sent me people in my life my youth pastor was one just to kind of help me through that and, and other friends in high school that were Christians. And, um, but so don't you see it in your life as well? We see a pattern um, in our lives. And so God will send to us people that will help us out. And so, um, but in the background of Ruth, Ruth happens, this story of Ruth happens sort of in that time of the judges or the deliverers, which is about over a 300 year span uh, the, uh, of the judges. And so Ruth is nestled in there somewhere in the judges. So that way you can understand. And, and let me tell you something. The book of Judges, was it was, a, it was a dark time in the nation of Israel. If you go read Judges, it's probably the most R-rated, X-rated book in the Bible. I mean, this, that's one reason why we didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. I mean, there's some things in there like, I don't want to touch that, you know, and so I encourage you to read it for yourself and then you know, maybe ask me some questions and I'll send it to somebody else if I can't help you with that. But I just know this, that there was a dark time in, um, in the history of Israel. And so you have Ruth that starts around the time of Judges. And if we look at the last verse of Judges, we have Judges chapter 21, Verse 25, it says this, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Have you ever, have you ever met people that were like that? Or maybe, maybe that was you. Maybe when, when, when there's no leadership, when there's no king, when there's nobody in your life who provide that that righteous leadership. It's like, you'll do whatever you want, whatever you see fit. And so that was what was happening in um, the time of judges. But even when that happens, God still longs for us. God still longs to, to, uh, for us to, to do great things. God has great plans for you. It doesn't matter how many times you messed up. I could think many times in my life, and if I, if I just look on those things and those certain scenes in my life that I really don't want to go revisit, but here I am a pastor, and I'm thinking, I don't deserve to be up here. But God says, Frank, I've called you to something. And he's confirmed it in many different ways. And, 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 and you don't have to be a, a pastor to be called. You're, gonna, you're called to, to lead your family, to lead your friends, to lead your coworkers to Christ and to share Christ. There's people in your life that God has placed around you that they don't know Jesus. 
And you can help with that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're going to hear about that message and you're going to have that choice. So this book of Ruth in the first chapter, we're only going to visit the first chapter today. It's all about choices and it's all about making some pretty bad decisions. Well, we're going to be in uh, Ruth chapter one and let's start with verses one and two. And so... Let's see what Ruth is all about. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they were Moab, and they went to Moab and lived there. So let's stop there for a second. So you have a man, this man named Elimelech, and this man named Elimelech, he actually, this name, his name means something. It means God is king. God is king. And Bethlehem actually means house of bread. That sounds like my kind of place. I love bread. (laughs) But that's what Bethlehem means. Bethlehem means house of bread. So here you have, here you have Elimelech and his wife Naomi, and he's got two sons. And he is leaving the house of bread, and he's going, because there's a famine, he's leaving the house of bread and going to Moab. Now, Moab is only about 40 miles away. It's not that far. Like from here to Atlanta, right? So they go 40 miles away, and and so he leaves the house of bread, Bethlehem, and goes to Moab. Now, one thing to note about Moab is that that Moab is, is a pagan culture. Moab is, is filled with people who, who worship other gods, and they even worship gods to the point to where they sacrifice their own children, okay? So think about this for a second. We live here in nice, safe, beautiful Cartersville area, Bartow County, and imagine you took your friends and, and, and your family, you took your family, and you, and you say your spouse, I just really feel like we need to move to a place where they sacrifice children. Can you imagine? That'd be awful. That would be awful to think that. What was this guy thinking? What was this guy thinking? I mean, Moab was a country that got started with Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Lot had an incest relationship with his daughter, and that's how the country Moab got started. It didn't get started on the right foot. And so the Moabites were awful, awful people. And so they leave the house of bread. I know, I know it's a famine, but other people stayed. They leave the house of bread and go to a country that is pagan. Now, here's, here's the reason why he did that. He's thinking, well, there's a famine. It makes logical sense. I can't, I can't stay here. I need to go to this other country. 
What that shows is this. I don't trust that God will provide for our needs in this Bethlehem house of bread. I don't trust that God will do this. So I'm gonna take matters in my own hands and I'm gonna take care of my family. Never, we'd have any record that Elimelech counseled with God considered this. So let's kind of, let's kind of place it in, in our life today. In, in our life today, do you, do you sometimes leave the place that God has provided and, and, and go to somewhere else that you know you should not be? Do you ever get to the point to where you're like, you know, um, I'm, 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 kind of, I'm kind of bored with this life. And, uh, or, or if you feel like you, feel like you, need, to, um, you need to take matters in your own hands and you're, you're waiting for God, you're bored, waiting for God to move, and so instead you take matters in your own hands. It could be very similar uh, as this. You could be in a situation where, um, to where you're like, well, I know that God has called me to, to date someone and to eventually marry someone, young people here today or singles, and you may be thinking, it's not happening yet. God hasn't really sent me that person. So I'm just gonna take matters on my own hands. And I, I, I know this person doesn't really follow God that much, but you know, God's gonna, God's gonna change that person's heart. You know, if I, bring, if I bring them to church, they're gonna be just fine. God's gonna speak to them. God's gonna save them. And so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave, the, leave the land where God is providing, even in the midst of, of a famine. I'm not gonna trust God, I've gotta do it myself. We've done those things in, in, very, in very different situations. There's lots of applications we can use for that. But God wants to tell you today that we, we need to understand and trust in God, trust that we will have our needs met even when times get rough, even when things get slim, when the money's tight, when the health is going south, when relationships are just bitter. You want to leave. You want to do something drastic. And, and I'll tell you, as a man and someone in my family, and I like to just fix things, not, not things that are broken, but just you know, fix processes and fix relationships and fix whatever that is just not working. <laughs> I'm always like, we gotta fix this, you know? And so it's so easy to step in front of God and say, you know, God, um, I, I, I can't handle this on my own. You know, I, I'm, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna go out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of this. So when, when that happens, we're moving outside of the will of God. When, when we're placed in a situation where times get, times get tough, relationships go south, money's tight, we tend to do some things that is like Elimelech moving to Moab. We move 40 miles away. It could be, we, we could be faithful givers to God 
And then the finances go tight. And so what do we do? We say, you know, God, I, I, can't afford to, I can't afford to give to you, you know? So we cut that out. What is that doing? We're moving away, further away from God's will. You could be in a relationship. You could be in a marriage where things are just going south and the relationship is just tough. It's really tough to live with that person. Now, obviously, if you're, if you're in a relationship where you're being abused, you know, we could, you know, just talk with us and we can help you with that. We got some big guys who are barely saved who can help you with that, okay? And they'll just, you know, whatever. So, so what I'm saying is this. If you're in a situation in a, in a marriage or relationship to where it's just tough and you want to get out and you want to leave, it's easy to do that, isn't it? Isn't it easy to do that, right? It's like when you go on a, on a diet and you're expecting to lose the five pounds and you lost two pounds. You're like, forget it. Where's the Krispy Kreme? I'm, you know, come on, you know? But we, and I know that's a simple example, and there's more serious things like the marriage situation or finances or, or, or raising kids. There have been times Susanna and I was like, okay, we, we just give up. We're checking out, okay? We're just gonna give them, hand the keys to the house. You, you can take care of the house. We're gonna live on the other side of Cartersville, you know, and, you know, just, you can come visit us if you want, but just good luck with that, you know? Sometimes we just feel that way, you know? If you have an extra house, maybe we could talk about that. But in all seriousness, um, there are people who've just given up. And what they do, they leave their bread, okay? They, they, they leave their Bethlehem and they go to Moab, 40 miles away. And you know what? Before you know it, you're gone. Before you know it, you're gone. And can you blame Elimelech? Can you blame him? He's trying to take care of his family. It seems logical, doesn't it? It seems illogical that, he, that you would do whatever it takes to take care of your family. But you know, a lot of times God's logic doesn't make sense to us. But that doesn't mean it does not make sense to God. In fact, get this, don't ever think that because you can't understand something that God is doing, uh, you can't understand something that God is doing, that he doesn't know what he is doing. So don't think that because you can't understand something that God is doing, whatever it is, that God doesn't know what he's doing. In fact, many times, many times, he will hide that from us. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do something in your life and I'm, gonna let, I'm not gonna allow you to understand what I'm doing. And what that is, that's called faith. You know, we like to know, we like to know what's going on, right? I mean, there are kids in our house that they, I mean, they snoop around. They're in the know. And so, and, and with social media today, we just like, to be in the know. We like to be up in everybody's business, right? And so, but God is saying, you know, I don't really work like that. Yeah, there are times you're gonna need to know, but there are some times that I wanna do something in your life that you may not understand right now, and that's okay. 
That's okay. And what that does, it builds faith. It builds that trust within God. But here is Elimelech, ready to take matters in his own hands, ready to uh, do whatever it takes to help with this family. And he is leaving the house of bread. He's leaving the house of bread. You know, think of it in my, in my own life. Think of it in, 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 in a way, God has, God has blessed me, God has blessed you with a house of bread. He's given you a Bethlehem. He's given you something, something that you can give him thanks for, whether it be family or health, you know, or a job or certain friends. Yeah, you may not have all of those things, but God has given you something. And I think in my own life and my family, you know? I mean, so like my wife, Suzanne, she's like a house of bread. God has given me a house of bread and it's really good bread, you know? Fresh out of the oven bread, you know? And I love my wife. But if I decide to go to another bakery, I'm out of the will of God, right? I'm out of the will of God. And so we've got to watch ourselves to make sure we're not leaving that house of bread, that Bethlehem in our life. So as we read on verse three through six, I just want to make sure you just get that point. Verse one and two, look, you have a Bethlehem. Don't leave from Moab. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. I like Ruth's name better. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. Now let me stop there for a second. So you have this situation where uh, the father, Elimelech, died. Now, back then, marriages were arranged. So obviously, you know, he, he died before they got married, but, but, but we have every reason to, to believe Elimelech arranged those marriages with his boys and Moabite women. Now, God has made it very, very clear to not allow pagan cultures to come into the culture, into the place of worship, into um, the family, into um, the life of the Israelites. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23, three, just real quick, it says, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. So you have Elimelech who has deliberately 
disobeyed God, and he is in a pagan country, and he's already adopting some of their, some of their practices. He's agreeing with that because he sees Moabite women and he wants them to marry his sons. You know, what this tells us is this. When you and I decide to leave our house of bread, what God has provided for us into something else, and we try to take matters in our own hands, and we don't trust in God, we think that that's the only decision and it stops right there. Can I tell you something? That decision, that initial decision will lead to more decisions just like that. It didn't stop with going to a pagan country and living there. It continued by setting up prearranged marriages with Moabite women for his sons. So when we do, do decide, it's, it's easy to think that it'll stop there, but it won't. It won't. It'll just continue to escalate. So what's the thing that, the thing that made Elimelech move to Moab? And I mean, obviously it was a, it was a, uh, it was a famine. So what happened? His, he died and his sons died. And so when we look at his life and the choices that he makes, he's made this choice. He dies, his sons die. And now his, his wife, Naomi, and his two daughters-in-law are left with not being able to provide for themselves. In fact, we see this, this truth played out in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. You know, that there appeared a way to be right. Because Elimelech thought, this appears to be right. There's a famine, I'm just gonna go live in, the, in another country. But it leads to death. And so you and I, when we make choices in our life, without God's approval, without involving God, without his direction, without involving his word, without the guidelines, you, when we do that, the, it may seem like it's right to us, but it will only lead to death. Death of a relationship, death of a marriage, um, death of finances, death of whatever, health, whatever. And so we see that played out. So how does Naomi respond? We see this in verse six through 13. We see this in verse six through 13. We read it a little bit last time. So when Naomi heard in Moab, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters in tow, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? 
Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and could give birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more better, bitter for the, than for you, for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Naomi has really started to settle in on some bitterness in her life. You know, Naomi started off living a life of, um, of just joy, living a life of, of, of a pleasure, a sweetness. In fact, her name, Naomi, means sweet. So she's telling her daughters and all, look, don't, don't even try to, to, to come follow me because my life is bitter. In fact, I don't even need to, I don't even deserve to be called Naomi. My life is bitter. You don't need to be a part of my life. Go, be, start a new family, do something different. You know, she's getting to the point, and you see this in these verses. She's getting to the point where she's starting to blame God. She's starting to blame God. She, she's like us many times. When, when we decide to move away from our house of bread, from our Bethlehem, and to our Moab. And then there are things that happen in our life. We tend to blame God, don't we? Oh, God is just after me. But like I said earlier, it's just a natural law of sin in our life. God's not there striking you down. God's reaching out in love. It's just the natural things that happen. It's a thing that God set in order when he made creation. And so we often will blame God. You may know of people in your life. I know people in my life. They've told me before, I just, I blame God. It's God's fault. You have, made, have been in a place in your life where you have blamed God for something. You might be at a place now where you are blaming God for something. Blaming God for relationships. Blaming God for your current financial situation. Blaming God for your current health situation. Blaming God. But I want to encourage you. God wants you to come back to your house of bread. He wants you to come back to your house of bread. We see that in that passage I just read. We see where Naomi decides, you know what? I'm done with Moab. I'm going back home. I'm going back to my house of bread. I'm going back to Bethlehem. That's all that God wants. God wants you to leave your Moab, wherever you decided to go, and to come back home to come back to 
your Bethlehem. But you may say, yeah, but Frank, if I do that, what will people think? What would people think if I, if I decide to make this decision? I mean, I've got friends of mine that I party with and I'm in my Moab of, of partying and doing things I know I shouldn't be doing, but what will people think? You know, that is the number one reason why people who have been de-churched, who've stepped out of church, don't come back to church. That is the number one reason. What will people think? Because I know people at such and such church. I know people at a lot of churches. What will they think? It's like when I got caught cheating. I visited Moab there when I was a junior in high school. And when I came back to the next FCA meeting, I'm thankful to God, social media was not even around. I mean, the internet wasn't even around, you know, that old. So, but, but when, when I stepped back in, into FCA, that next meeting, it, I was walking in with my tail between my legs. I was just, I was devastated. In fact, I just wanted to, I, I wanted to quit. What will people think? God says, I don't care what people think, and neither should you. Because if you're trying to live your life pleasing man and not me, you're living the wrong kind of life. I want you to be a man, I want you to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. I want you to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. And so finally, in fact, there was an old Christian song by Petra, some of you old. Older folks like me will probably remember this song called God Pleaser. And it was around that time. It's a very popular song around that time. And I, I pulled out that cassette. Uh, students, that's a thing about this big. It has some little things. Um, and so I pulled out that cassette, listened to that song, and it got me fired up. I said, yeah, I'm a God pleaser. I'm not a man pleaser. I don't care what they think. I mess up, that's fine. So God, God's wanted, God wants to tell you that. Be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. So what happened to Naomi? Verses 18 through 21. What happened as she returned home to her house of bread? When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Where they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town were stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because Mara means bitterness. See, she already changed her name. Don't call me beautiful. Call me ugly. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So 
you have this situation where Naomi's like, look, don't, don't call me sweetheart. My name doesn't mean sweet anymore. It means bitter. You could be, you, you could be in this situation as well to where you, you just don't deserve whatever God has for you. You don't deserve whatever God has. And again, when you make your way back to Bethlehem, to your house of bread, back home, and you know what home looks like, you've been there. When you do, you've gotta focus on pleasing God, not man. And so, as we, as we close out this, uh, this chapter, you may be saying, well, Frank, you don't know my situation. You don't, you don't know where I'm at. You're correct. But God does know, and he's waiting for you to come back home, to come back to your house of bread. Look how this chapter ends in verse 22, a simple verse. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. As the barley harvest was beginning. Now, can we just take a moment here? Let's, Let's compare and contrast how this chapter started and how it ended. Because in, in verse one, in this, in this book, verse one, chapter one, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a what? A famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. But when she came back home, she came back in time for what? The barley harvest, for the harvest. When you decide to come back home, God is ready to break forth a harvest in your life. God is ready to bring forth a harvest in your life. You know, some of you are facing and have faced difficult things. There are people in our church who are fighting serious diseases. There are people in our church who are fighting just divorce, almost on the verge of divorce situations. There's people in our church who are fighting just parental things. There are people in our church who are fighting financial things. There are struggles in their life. Can I tell you something? When you come back home, it it may not be fixed all of a sudden because she was still bitter. Come back home bitter, God can handle that. It's okay, you can be honest with God. God loves us to be honest, he can handle it. But when you come back home, God is gonna show you Look, I've got a fullness of life ahead of you, right here. And so, whether it be in your, in your marriage or your finances, your health, certain relationships and parenting, whatever it is, when you decide to, you've had enough of Moab, and when you come to your house of bread, God is ready and waiting for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
As we have visited the story, I know we didn't really talk a whole lot about Ruth. We talked a lot about the decision that Elimelech made. It was a bad decision. If you're at a place in your life and you're saying, Frank, I, I, I have just made a decision or I'm about to make a decision and to lead me and my family to Moab. And it's gonna have drastic effects, negative effects on me and everybody I love. Frank, I, I, I need to stop. If that is you, we wanna pray for you today. If that is you, I just want you to simply just say, God, I'm ready to leave Moab. I'm ready to just turn around. I'm on my way to Moab. I'm 20 miles down the road and I need to come back. And so just tell him, Lord, I'm, I'm coming back to you. You might be in a place where you have been in your Moab for a while. You've given up on being that spouse that you know you need to be. You've given up on, on, on certain kids in your family, on parenting. You've given up on trying to be a, a good steward in finances. And, and you've given up on, on whatever it is. And you're in your Moab and you're realizing it's having drastic effects. Maybe that's you. If that's you, just simply say, God, I'm ready to come home. I know how to get there. Give me the strength to trust in you. And if you're here today and you have never visited the house of prayer, you've never had your Bethlehem experience, you've never felt like God has been providing for you because you really don't know God. You don't really know his love in your life. If that is you, and you're ready to draw closer to him, you can just simply say, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry for the life I've been living. I believe you sent someone to die for me, and his name is Jesus. I wanna live for you, and I want to be a Christ follower Bring me to your Bethlehem. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that you take our prayers, our honesty of we're just stuck in Moab or we're on our way there. And we pray, Father, that you give us the strength to come back to you, to find our way to you, to find our way to Bethlehem. And I pray, Father, that you do a great work in our lives as we trust in you and you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.